Hello, this is Mark Brown for Beyond the Room at the Department of Psychiatry in Oxford's 50th Anniversary Bash. And I'm here with John Williams, who just gave an amazing presentation about funding of health research. John, can you give the people at home just a bit of an idea of who you are and also what you said that was so awesome? So I'm Managing Director of Birmingham Health Partners. Um, but before I took on that role, I spent the best part of uh, 20 years working for uh, the Wellcome Trust, uh, where one of the portfolios I had the privilege of uh, managing was the uh, new science and mental health uh, sector. Um, and I think that's partly why it was such a pleasure to come to the um, 50th anniversary of um, Oxford Psychiatry. Um, just to share some thoughts um, about how we need to think about funding the next generation of Chris Fairburn, uh, David Clark and Anka Ehlers, um, and to actually ask how do we find and support youth with the same confidence that we supported Chris, David, Anchor, Paul, and many others, um, well, I think actually now nearly 30 years ago. So this is kind of an interesting thing. Um, part of the introduction today talks about there being so many opportunities for funding mm. of, of kind of research in mental health. But this seems to be happening at the same time where people are saying there's far less opportunities. Is there a kind of um, unclear picture, or is that about who's getting funding and for what? I, I mean, I look back now, and, and, and it's important to emphasise I'm outside the sector and outside the policy making now. But I, I, I think, I think that there is, without doubt, um, renewed interest from funders, policymakers, and politicians uh, on the mental health space. Um, global philanthropy has invested millions, not to say billions, actually, in uh, contemporary neuroscience uh, and mental health. Um, so there is no question that there is funding out there. I think what's become uh, more challenging, I think, is, is understanding how to access that um, and understanding how we move beyond what I would call a faddy approach uh, to research um, and actually identifying where do we need to deliver funding to potentially achieve the most impact for the patients and it is actually the patients who we need to be most concerned about. Um, that, I think, is the challenge. Not so much is the pot big enough. Yeah. Uh, funding has always been competitive. It always will be competitive. But it's about where and how do we target it appropriately. It's really interesting. You talked about kind of getting behind slow science. Mm. But then we also have this interesting question where everyone talks about the kind of 20-year implementation gap in mental health. And I can see how that might lead to kind of faddy funding of things. Like, from your perspective, like how do, we, how do we kind of square that circle between wanting quick wins and also wanting to kind of lay the fertiliser on the soil so something great grows in the future? I think there is an inherent tension there. I, I, I think, what do I mean by slow science? Well, I, I think it's really about being able to, you know, to use the food analogy, you want to absorb the nutrients. Well, actually, slow science really is about getting the science right. It's not about getting the headline. It's about building that robust evidence base that allows 
um, uh, allows our, our, the NHS and others to say that evidence works, that evidence suggests that it will scale, that evidence is something that we can now invest in and shape into service provision. Um, so I think it's it's very much about understanding the what is high quality, how do we achieve quality, and how do we then make that quality research available to the patient, and importantly available to the patient at scale with the same level of quality assurance that you might see in, a, uh, in an extremely specialised centre. It's interesting. The other, the, the final thing I wanted to ask you about was you were talking about spotting people early in their careers with big ideas, and you kind of, in some ways, saying how does this kind of quite mechanical process of working out what's worth funding also recognise what's visionary, just kind of looking at what the future might be rather than what the present is. That sounds like a really difficult job. I think it's almost impossible. I mean, there's an old saw that talks about hindsight is wonderful when you've picked a winner. Um, I, I think that um, for me, I think it, it really is about um, listening with an open mind, being willing to challenge um, some of those uh, inherent biases that we all have, both conscious and unconscious. Um, and and about recognizing that if you're in a privileged position uh, of a philanthropically founded funder, um, that sometimes you can take bets, and when you make those bets, it's actually okay to lose. And I think it's that willingness to take risks, um, almost to be instinctive in how you respond, uh, to something that um, that I think we we perhaps we perhaps have lost. Brilliant! Thank you for that, John. I'll let you get off and have a nice okay. cup of coffee. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>